Mike, you've taken advantage of something which I think now a lot of people take for granted, the internet and email, to come up with something which is a, I suppose, a bit like a blog and a bit like a pamphlet, and you call it a droplet. When did the idea first occur to you? It's something that's been spinning around in my mind for some time, um, inspired by a, by a colleague of mine, um, Dave Panel, who started doing a similar thing in natural resource management, and I noticed it was very, very effective as a way of selling ideas and giving people things that they can do in a bite-sized chunk. And you're calling this a droplet, and its focus, of course, is water. Yes, very much so. It's, um, and we're really searching for new ideas and different ways of thinking about water, and that's um, we really wanted to push the frontiers. And it's a droplet, it's a little idea, and some droplets become big splashes, and people get very excited about them. This is, of course, sadly, very, very timely for Australia. But you, you have, right at the top of droplet number two, a quote from Sextus Julius Frontinus, who was the chief executive of what you call Rome Water in the late first century. You cannot manage what you cannot measure. And the Romans, as we do, had that same problem of water supply and water management. Have we learned anything in the last 2,000 years? It's tempting to almost say no. Um, we keep on struggling to manage water well. Water is so fundamental to society that um, it should be possible to, to manage it without any problems at all and just set, set in place institutional arrangements that let it um, essentially manage itself. This, however, hasn't been done over the last 200 or so years of of European settlement and we're, we're reaping, or rather not reaping, the benefits of that neglect now. You talk in Droplet number two about accounting. How do, you, how do you imagine that actually being done? Well, one of the things that we've been really inspired by is the, the huge contribution that the accounting profession has made to the economy of the world. And there's a lot of stuff that they do as accountants which people hate, but which is a very important part of get, getting governance single, singles right. One of the big signals that they really focus on is trying to re report what the bottom line is. And when we look at... Um, at how that's evolved. There's a focus on profits, there's really a focus on outcomes. When you look at the way we manage our water resources, we keep on looking to the top of the system to see how much is in the, in the dam and in the water supply rather than thinking what are the final consequences we have to be dealing with. You think like an accountant, you focus much more on what's going to happen at the mouth of a river system and how much each part of the system has to contribute and allow to flow through to the rest and that's the main focus of actually discussion and planning. Now you mentioned double entry bookkeeping and if I have been able to grasp the concept that every asset has a debit uh, of, of equal size, I would probably have passed accountancy in my postgrad, but I didn't. You seem to put a great deal of importance on double entry bookkeeping. Yeah, what double entry bookkeeping does is it stops people from, from, from creating water that doesn't exist. Um, so it's a very simple rule that says if somebody wants more water, then someone else has to, has, has to agree to give it up. So it's like a bank account, which I think most people do understand, even you would understand, that um, when things are credited to your account, there's money in there, and when it's debited, it's taken off. And if you want to transfer money from 
your account to somebody else's account, then they debit the money from your account and credit it to somebody else's. And in a water allocation system that's rigorous, if there's a certain amount of water in the dam at the top, when it's allocated to the environment, it's taken off the dam account and allocated to the environmental manager when the environmental manager uses it is taken off that account and put into the place where it's used. Similarly, if one irrigator wants to sell some water to somebody else or an opportunity to tax some water, then it's debited from their account and credited to someone else's account. We're just setting up a very simple rule like that. We would stop a lot of the double counting that occurs in Australia's water systems and many others. You talk about rigorous management and it's going to take more than just an accountant uh, on every farm property or every uh, riverside establishment. It's got to take into account the professional needs and existences of a great many people. That's right, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the way water is connected together which is so critical to get right and um, to understand connections between, for example, service and groundwater systems. A lot of people think of, um, of water that's underground as um, water which just stays there, but in fact most of those groundwater systems, or certainly a large number of them, are, are connected to the rivers. And when you take water from actually a groundwater system, you stop it flowing into a river. And um, setting up accounting arrangements that understand those connections are very important, otherwise we end up with actually rapidly depleting aquifers. And it's even further than just water in the river system. It gets back to things like forests where when people plant trees in an area that's been cleared, then they reduce water runoff and that means that actually irrigation has actually a smaller amount of water to access. And when you talk about, say, the planting of forests, it brings me on to something which is happening, I think, in parallel. In terms of emissions trading, they're now looking similarly at a form of double-entry bookkeeping I think we've finally caught up with the fact that using the environment is a very expensive business. Yeah, and finding ways to account for it is what we really have to do. And when you um, start to count it properly, then you can manage it and you can set up systems that, 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 that inform everybody that, that the resource is scarce. In this case, water is scarce, but also in lots of other areas, if you've got a scarce resource, the first thing you do is account for it so you know how much you've got and you understand where it's being used and how it's being used. In the short term, there are things we're being encouraged or ordered by our governments to do, like you know, sprinklers every second day, depending whether you're an odd or an even-numbered house. In the long term, where do you see our, our water environment, and I suppose by extension, uh, our broader environment going? In the longer term, I'd hope that we get the signals right so that people are free to choose when they water their lawns and when they don't and what sort of uses water is put to because we, we reveal everybody, or actually reveal to everybody the true value of water, which we don't do at the moment. We use restrictions rather than pricing mechanisms to, um, to, control, to control water use. And we don't. Uh, tell people when water is really scarce by actually increasing the price. It's not yet like petrol when you know, the world is short of petrol, they can't access it for one reason or another, the price goes up quite quickly. As you get in Australia and most parts of the world, the price of water stays the same year in, year out. 
for urban people but not for rural people. The really interesting thing is to see um, rural water prices sometimes as much as double um, quite quickly when there's a shortage. If we look at the pricing for petrol in urban environments, you know how much you need, you know where to go, you get it, you pay for it, you put it in your car, you drive away. We seem to be very differently engaged with our supply of water if you live in a city. You turn on tap, it's there. The water rates will come on a, on a regular basis. But would you say that a big part of the educational need of this project is for people to understand just how much water pours out of their tap, for example, when they fill their sink? Um, that all starts to emerge when people start being exposed to a significant price for water. At the moment, water is still very, very cheap. I like to compare it with um, the price of sand. And if you wanted sand delivered to your house, it's a lot more expensive than water is. You know, a trailer load of, of actually water in a small garden trailer costs you a bit over a dollar. Um, while you know, a load of sand is 20 times that. And I guess, I guess then it really is a case of people being more conscious of the way they spend their water allowance do fridge magnets help, or do we have to go in for something more draconian? I think there's a really important opportunity here to allow households to manage water themselves and um, to invest in water-saving um, technologies where it pays um, and to just, just acquire more water when, when that's the most sensible option to do. We are now, now connected to rural systems, and it's the connections to rural systems that... Um, enable us to transfer water into urban areas when necessary. Now, the droplets have just begun. Where do you see them adding up? Um, down the track, I hope we'll have a whole collection of them and start to put together a framework for water, water use. Um, each droplet, um, I think, is likely to be used to, to, to stimulate a lot of lot of discussion and debate around Australia. That's already started to happen. Uh, I've been surprised by the number of academics who've already approached me and said, can we use this for actually a thesis topic? And have I any objections? And that's exactly what I want to happen. We've been very careful not to copyright the, the um, droplets in a way they can't be reprinted and used. And gradually the understanding will come together. The thing that's nice about the droplet approach is that all we can do in one and a half pages is sketch out an idea, and it's an alternative idea, which is exciting, challenging, um, and causes, causes people to think again. And you know, the one on accounting says, well, what happens if you just thought about water management with the rigour that you find is imposed on, on accountants or, or accountants oppose on people who manage systems? If you're a board of directors and of a financial company or any commercial company and the, the um, accounts are wrong or have any errors in them, you're likely to be um, sacked and even sued. While in our water, water access systems at the moment are full of awful errors and no one's overly concerned about it. That's why I think we have so many problems. So now these droplets are rather like that little drip from a tap which says, ah, tap hasn't been turned off properly as opposed to the Chinese water torture which is just supposed to drive you mad. That's right. 
cases, but it's something that can be repaired and fixed. We're trying very hard to write all of the droplets as an option to um, enable people to think about the way you solve problems. Excellent. Well, I um, I actually am in the awful position of going, but I do all these things. You know, what else, what else can one person do to save more water? I, I've instituted a, a new technique, though. If I don't have to go anywhere on Sunday, I don't have a shower, which saves, you know, a good, good um, 13% of my water use. In one day. In one day. Mm. Um, some people might actually recommend that you do have a shower. Um, uh, and in fact, one of the um, really interesting things to do is to realise when you actually use water. Uh, and water is, um, certainly in inland areas, is only used when you actually evaporate or, or transpire that water. If you were living in Canberra and um, you had a shower, in one sense you don't use the water at all because the water that you have used returns back through a sewage treatment plant and back into the Murray-Pitsy River and comes on down to Adelaide. Similarly, even in Adelaide, when you use your water after you've had your shower, a large proportion of it, not as much as perhaps should, but a large proportion of it then goes out onto the North Adelaide Plains where it grows your actually fruit and vegetables that you eat um, slightly later down the track. 